0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Twenty-one plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. See dot com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. My name is Jeff Burkus. I'm a writer for Windy City Gridiron. And I'm joined on the other line by E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst. And today is a very exciting episode because we are talking about running backs. E.J. has been grinding tape for weeks. He's up to 16 or 17 running backs. So I think it's fair to say he's on a bit of a runner's high. And, uh, of course, grinding tape is thirsty work. And so, E.J., what are you drinking tonight?
2: I went and got special beer because, yes, everybody knows I love beer and everybody knows I love running backs, and I wanted to combine the two. So we are going to do a couple episodes on running backs because we can't put them all into one. And the first one I got is Ecliptic Brewings Phobos Single Hop red ale and it wasn't the ecliptic or the phobos or the fact that it was a red ale it was single hop and a lot of these running backs show a really good little jump cut single hop gains them a lot of extra
1: yards so it seemed appropriate i like that <laughs> mine uh mine's maybe a little bit more on the nose uh, this beer is called oreo Speedwagon. it's <laughs> from a, an iowa brewery called lake time brewery it's up in uh it's up in Clear Lake. It's about an hour and a half, two hours drive from Des Moines. It's a chocolate vanilla milk stout and um, Oreo Speedwagon. Obviously, it's uh, inspired by Ario Speedwagon. They've got a bunch of you know, words on the side that uh, use their songs in, in to describe the beer. But uh, the one song from Ario Speedwagon that I think is appropriate for this episode is Take It on the Run. So um, there you go. Uh, let's uh, open them up. interesting thing about this brewery is uh, Des Moines Register runs kind of a March Madness bracket for 64 local breweries or 64 local beers, I guess. Some breweries have multiple entries. And they just finished up and this brewery took second place with their peanut butter porter. And I know that you kind of chuckled last time I told you I was drinking a peanut butter porter. Um, You said something about eating it with a spoon Uh, but it's a good beer they're making a lot of really good dark beers up there and uh, this one uh, tastes like a cookie so uh, nothing wrong with that
2: i i saw so many beers at the beer store i thought oh i wish jeff was here that's that's a beer for jeff
1: boy that's a beer
2: for jeff nitro (laughs) nitro vanilla porter and uh you know caramel afterfire stout and and all these things, I thought, man, Jeff, Jeff's got to be here. We gotta, we gotta get Jeff some of these beers. But uh, this is my first offering from Ecliptic. I don't think I've had any of their beers before. They're out of Portland, Oregon, uh, and this is a very warm red. It's pretty nice. Um, definitely, uh, some some reds come out quite crisp, and this one's kind of on the other end. Um, it's got uh, it's got definitely that maltier flavor to it. Uh, it's quite nice, though. I like
1: it. This beer literally tastes like a cookie. It's been a while since I've had it. <laughs> but no, it, it literally tastes like what it looks like on the can. You know, they don't always uh, happen like that, but this is – it's pretty amazing. You know, I, I guess, if nothing else, sometimes I just want a milkshake, and so I, I, now I know I, it, the beer. it sounds like you do. I mean, <laughs> just coming from this end. Now I know the beer to get when I just want a milkshake. Thank All right, God. well, um, big news coming out of uh, Ryan Pace trading – away jordan howard to the eagles the bears get a 2020 sixth round pick that can improve to a fifth round pick i searched all over the place try to find the conditions i don't think that they're released yet a lot of times these conditions are based on number of carries number of yards number of games played something like that so jordan howard has a path to carries in in philadelphia we believe so, you know, there's, I think, a fairly good likelihood that this, this pick will in- improve to a fifth. There's a few things I wanted to go over with you up top now that he's gone. There's a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of talk on the, on the blog about what this was, what this meant to, to the Bears. A lot of negative uh, talk that came out of it. And I, I want to get your impressions, and I want to I wanna go through a couple things that I was hearing. The first that thing that I wanted to cover was Doug Peterson versus Matt Nagy. Doug Peterson, co- head coach of the, the Eagles, came from the Andy Reid tree, just like Matt, Matt Nagy did. And I think the assumption was, and it was certainly my assumption last year going into the season, was that Jordan Howard was going to have a really good year because I watched uh, Doug Peterson use a back similar to Jordan Howard and have success. And it just didn't happen that way. And and so I think that there's a little bit of negative pull from Nagy right now saying well they you know if Doug Peterson can figure out how to use them why can't Matt Nagy and I think it's just uh, in general they just have a different philosophy on what they want in a running back and Jordan Howard just wasn't it for Matt Nagy what did you think
2: I think that's absolutely true and I think there's been smoke around this since last year at this time and at that point it was almost like they were the Bears were sticking their toe in the water and saying hey if we got rid of Jordan Howard how would you guys feel about it and And a lot of people had the same reactions, but even more viscerally last year because Howard was coming off a year where he ground out a lot of yards for John Fox and everybody still had a really high opinion of him. But I think it's been pretty clear if you go back now and sort of look at the tea leaves where a lot of people have said, hey, you need you need to take this seriously. I don't think Jordan Howard is their guy, and I think they're going to do what they need to do to go get their guy. And there's been a lot of resistance to that, as you said. But I don't think it's been a mystery, and now I think we see very clearly that that's absolutely correct. Peterson's going to use three backs in rotation. He's going to do it really, really well. He did it last year. The way the Eagles mixed their backs, especially late into the season, was was just masterful. It was really artful. I watched, uh, I think, three Eagles games late in the season just at random points. They happened to be on national TV, and the way that Philadelphia used those players that they had was very, very good. And I think Jordan Howard becomes the new Jay Ajayi in Philadelphia. He's going to fill that role, and he's going to do it really, really well. Back to the conditions of the pick. I haven't seen the conditions either. I saw one place, actually, that said it was listed as a non-conditional pick. It was listed as a sixth. I haven't done any research to back that up. Don't know if that's true or not. I thought it was a bit odd. Um, But I don't think Howard probably turns into a fifth-round pick. I think this probably stays a sixth-round pick, and that's really important. Um, Moving forward, not just for the Jordan Howard thing, not just for the Bears, but for the league, you know, a a running back who has had great success, is healthy, uh, is still in the last year of a very, very affordable contract because he was drafted in the lower rounds, can only pull a sixth. And everybody thinks it's worth more than that. And and, And the absolute truth is it's not he's not worth more than that that's the best offer they could get and if they didn't get their offer it was likely they were going to cut him they were going to make space one way or another and people just can't come around on that at least some people are just so stuck that Jordan Howard's worth a third or else and I'm like he's just not in today's NFL that's the point
1: yeah I went back and looked at we did a round table on Windy City Gridiron uh, early January I think it was after the season ended that talked about uh, whether or not we thought that the Bears would trade Howard. And I think for the most part, the writers thought that it would happen, or um, at least it was a strong possibility. And and I went back to look at my answers before we recorded this. And <laughs> and it uh, it uh, it's you know I I basically said you're not going to get a fourth for him. That and that's what people were kind of banding about. You're, you're just you're simply not. Uh, the market's not there. And and I had said at the time I'd probably keep him. In, you know unless I get a fifth sure and I you know I I guess I I probably still would have done that but I I understand where uh where we're coming from in terms of of what this does to the roster and and opens up carries and opens up the spot and you don't want anybody to necessarily be disgruntled on the team if they're going to lose carries you know where it was the starter and now's you know the third string running back and not someone who necessarily can have an impact on special teams but um I you know I agree with you on the compensation it's it's just not there I you know uh, Brian Pace is clearly doing a very good job of being the GM, and I don't think that he got fleeced, as I am seeing. Unfortunately, no, that, that not at all. word keeps being <laughs> uh, bandied about with with uh, every time someone doesn't like a move. But um, I, I, I just don't see that. Uh, I think this definitely opens things up for Mike Davis, maybe even more than we would have thought. Uh, but certainly opens things up for a rookie, which is obviously what we're going to be spending a lot of time on over the next two episodes. I I think Tariq Cohen probably keeps a similar workload, and so it is going to be interesting to see what that workload is is distributed on. But I I think when it comes down to uh, scheme fits are very important, and when you change scheme, some players are going to be impacted. And Jordan Howard was a really good scheme fit for what Uh, john fox wanted to do and he clearly was not going to fit in with what matt nagy was going to do he really tipped the hand uh, when he was on the field you could tell that nagy felt a lot more comfortable calling plays when cohen was on the field because he could do a lot more with him and so that's you know it's it's what happens when you have a regime change is that some guys are going to shake loose
2: i think that's absolutely true and that moves us pretty cleanly to cohen who remains on the team And I think one of the things to keep in mind about Cohen, because Cohen's not an everything back either, and that was kind of the knock on him coming out, is that, oh, he can't be an every down back. And he went out for the first maybe six games of his career and tried to prove that he could be an every down back and slammed into every linebacker he could find. And I remember saying at that point, man, if he keeps this up, he's tough as hell. But if he keeps this up, he's going to get he's going to get broken because he was out there really trying to make a mark and say, I'm, I'm super duper tough. And, and after he sort of backed off that, we, we got to see the Tariq Cohen that, that everybody really liked and who I think, and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I'd say that Tariq Cohen is the bears best offensive weapon right
1: now. He is the most electric, exciting offensive player that the Bears have had in my lifetime. Ooh. That's that's where I'm at with Tariq Cohen. He's an that's ex- impressive. He's an explosive player. He can I okay, lifetime uh might not be the best because uh, I was born in eighty two. Walter Payton now is still playing. Ah, so how about my conscious my conscious fandom? Starting yeah. with Neil Anderson and all of the receivers that we've had. I just think he's the most exciting offensive player. I'm not talking about Devin Hester returning kicks or returning punts. I'm talking about offensive player, just the explosive nature that he brings to the game. He's a tough cover. You know, he can break a screen to the distance. He can take a handoff to the distance. He can throw the ball. I just think he's just the most exciting thing we've got. And yeah, I agree. I think he is probably the most dangerous weapon. I think Allen Robinson will likely take, at least uh, challenge him for that title next year when he's fully removed from that ACL and really establishes into that wide receiver one that I think we both believe he can be. But yeah, absolutely Tree Cohen is uh the best offensive player that we had uh in twenty eighteen and I think that he's he's prime for another repeat year. Yeah, I think a lot of people
2: don't sort of fully admit that, at least in their mind, just with all the other star power and names and and, you know, sort of the wide receiver focus that's that's current in the league. Um and I think it's just a reality to talk about. Is yeah, last year Tariq Cohen was was the most efficient offensive player, and and certainly the one that generated, you know, a majority um, of the offense. If you're talking about single individual share, so that's the thing. And I, you know, like you said, he can keep that workload, and that would be fine, and put some other pieces around him that can help balance that out, and and you get a very very interesting mix. Um, we talked quite a bit about mike davis in the free agency episode so i don't think we probably need to dip back into him too much um anything else you want to cover before we dip into where they may go
1: shopping well one thing i want to say about cohen is i tracked explosive plays last year and cohen i believe had more explosive runs than anybody on the team and had more explosive catches than anybody on the team yeah and so he he just he put, put up the numbers to to back up what we're saying but i what i want to know is in your opinion now that we've we've now seen jordan howard be traded what are the traits that matt nagy and ryan pace are going to be looking for in this draft class and that that'll set us up for what we're going to be talking about with all these uh running backs that you've been grinding tape on absolutely
2: it's a great question um a lot of folks a lot of writers um a lot of blogs a lot of a lot of websites have dealt with this um I'm um, thinking about Jonathan Woods done a great job of of traits from the sort of read tree offenses and, and what backs need And that's that's more sort of physical traits um, I sat down and put it put it down on Twitter today It was in reply and I really think Chicago is looking for or needs a back who can do um, Four things really well read an inside zone and explode through the hole That's that's the way their offense is set up for the most part Make one guy miss to add yards. That's that's important in this offense. There's always going to be a free defender, and the, the coaching staff is looking for and counting on a guy to be able to make one guy miss, and that's going to be an extra you know, three, five, six, possibly way more yards, depending on how well-designed and blocked the play is. Catch and create, and this is the one that Jordan Howard lacked and brought predictabl- predict- blah, predictability to the offense because of, and it's needs to be able to catch and create off screens, swings, and angle routes. And angle route is basically, uh, people have a lot of different names for passing routes. So angle route is basically where the, the back swings out to the outside and then cuts it back on a 90 degree to the inside to where, you know, roughly the middle linebacker would be that kind of zone. And then the fourth one is use speed to pressure a D's gaps to To make a defense be in the right place at the right time have enough speed to exploit that when they're not Um, And of course the sort of fifth which is an asterisk all NFL backs have to pass block because of site adjustments to the line They just absolutely have to be able to if they cannot pass block They're not going to be in the league very long So those four traits plus the given of being able to pass block I think is the profile that they're looking for people are like well howard could read an inside zone and explode through the hole that's true make one guy miss to add yards Mm, howard could do that he didn't do it really consistently he could also break that tackle which he was really good at Um, but in the nfl
1: mm,
2: breaking tackles kind of questionable it's better if you can make the guy miss catch and create he could catch absolutely a lot of people have said jordan howard can't catch that's not the point he can absolutely catch but and this has come really clear into focus with me watching all these running backs in college, a lot of guys can catch. Not that many guys can catch and create, or less guys by far can catch and create. And then use speed to pressure defensive gaps. Howard's speed wasn't that bad, but at the same time, if you're talking about NFL speed across the board, I'd put him somewhere in the middle. He's not one of those guys that when he's three or four yards short of a guy and he gets the ball, you think, whoop, he's going to run by him. Um, you know, he might run over him, but he's not going to run by him. So he, he kind of had two of those things or, or one and a half plus pieces of the others. I guess it's about half of those things. And they're looking for a guy that fills the profile a little more completely.
1: Yeah. I, I seem to recall him having a little bit more success on outside zones than inside zones, but yeah, he, he just didn't have that make you miss ability. And certainly he would get tracked down. Uh, just didn't have that flat out open field speed, but We talked before the show started, you wanted to cover six guys in this episode and we're going to cover the rest in episode two. Um, I've got a list of them here and I got to tell you, I'm going to make a prediction. You don't have to tell me if I'm right or not, but you tease it on Twitter of who you think the Bears are maybe going to go after. And I've watched some highlight film because that's my... That's what you do. That's me grinding tape is just watching highlight film with terrible music over the top of it. Mm. And my guess is uh, Travion Williams is the guy that you think the Bears are going to go after. So I'm just putting that out there.
2: Yeah, I, it's a hope uh, more than a, than a, I think because th- the bottom line is I don't know what Nagy and his coaches really value. Uh, that What we just read off is what I think they value, but I'm not in the room, so I don't know. I could very easily be surprised here and they could come out and say – and they, of course, will say – we talked about this a little bit this week. They will say that it was their guy regardless um, if it was the first or second guy on their list. When I look at the list of qualities that I just put out that I think – Um, that Nagy and coaches in Chicago are looking for and Ryan Pace and his scouts are grinding for, I think Travion Williams is probably the guy that checks off the most boxes um, for that. Yes, that's true. But the thing about the running back class this year in general, there's a ton of variance in valuation. It really depends on what you're looking for. It really depends on what a team is or what they value as to how they value somebody. So there's going to be sort of a great disparity a lot of guys of course this time of year are saying oh that guy's a second rounder oh that guy's a fourth rounder i think it really depends on the team we we can have you know you think you have a second round value on a guy but the team doesn't think so so he's basically almost not even on their board and he doesn't go till the fifth that's going to happen a lot because there's a wide middle this year there's not a saquon barkley there's not a you know darius geist there's not the guys at the top that are just sort of designated number one RBs there's a couple of guys and then there's this wide middle of a bunch of guys which is why I ended up watching so many guys I was really sort of trying to aim at the middle round backs that I thought the Bears were going to have a
1: shot at Um, and there's a lot a lot of them to go over so let's get into that so uh, Devin Singletary that's a name that I've heard quite a bit about Uh, I assume that you did some tape work on him what'd you find out about Devin Singletary
2: yeah Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic University really interesting runner Um, uh, just for basis watched a couple of games at least if I had questions I watched a third Um, so for Singletary that was versus Oklahoma and then versus University of Central Florida so things that stand out about Singletary on tape crazy good plant-and-go almost uncanny ability to make the very sharp cut and by very sharp I mean darn near 90 degrees uh, great contact balance for a guy that's not that big runs very tough he's patient he'll wait for the hole to open not terribly slippery so he's one of those guys that waits for his waits for his blockers to set things up um, doesn't slither a whole lot he will run through guys but he's not terribly slippery um, excellent sort of middle inside zone runner which is kind of surprising at his size I think he's five a lot of these guys are like five eight five nine and right about two hundred pounds. Um, Singletary is a good bit shorter than that, actually. He's about 5'7 and a half, so he might measure out 5'8 on a good day, and he's just 203 pounds. Um, very surprising to see a guy just barely cracking 200 pounds who runs as tough as he does on the inside. Um, and he's very, very good because of that cutting ability at making the first guy miss. Um, guy comes stroking into the backfield, and he can hop sideways and get through that gap very, very well. So he's got that quality from what we talked about. He's a solid, but he's not a spectacular receiver. Um, you know, he can he can definitely corral the ball and does a pretty good job of turning it upfield. Um, but he's not one of those guys that I think is going to create as a receiver all over the field.
1: I have a question, EJ. When when you're sure. looking at running backs and trying to figure out if they are going to be productive in the passing game, not not all college backs are going to be given a lot of those opportunities potentially. Did any of the measurables? really speak to that i mean like even something as simple as hand size or are you looking for like the agility drills to see if they can uh you know run some of those option routes to to create space against uh, you know a safety or a linebacker that they might be matched up against
2: it's a great question um and i don't i don't try and tie measurements to catching ability because i think catching is is really dynamic maybe even well definitely more so than running because you've got an extra variable you're not getting handed the ball um you've got to go track it down in space And you're right. A lot of folks don't get uh, their offenses just don't pass to the running back very much. Um, We'll talk about some that pass to the running back way more than anybody in the pros will. But um, another guy that comes to mind is um, Elijah Holyfield. We're going to talk about him out of Georgia. I think he can catch, um, but literally in two or three tapes worth of. You know, watching he caught like two passes. Georgia just doesn't throw to their backs very often. So again, I think he can do it, um, and it's a bit of a projection for those guys that don't catch a lot of balls in college. You have to look at the few they do catch and say, hey. Was he fluid? Was he able to adjust to the ball? Um, and sometimes you just have to say, "Hey, he catches what's thrown to him," because maybe the quarterback, you know, threw it right at his face mask and he grabbed it. Okay, that's all. That's all you need to look at, and you say, "I think he can catch," but don't ever say, "Oh, he's a great receiver based on that." So, right. really good question. Uh, on the downside for Singletary, a uh, bit of a diver or a pusher as a blocker. He's not a great blocker. Um, he'll he'll cut block okay. Um, Not great as a stand-up pass blocker. Not terrible. Um, Has a capacity or a tendency, I should say, to take some negative runs when he's looking around. That patience and that that cutting ability. Sometimes he waits a little bit too long, ends up taking either a a no-yard or a couple-yard of loss. Um, and he's not great as a route runner. So you, a lot of times, even if they don't get thrown the ball, if they go out on a route, you can see, uh, you know, are they a practiced route runner? Are they setting up a defender? He's kind of a roundish route runner. Um, and he doesn't do with a lot of, um, Authority. Let's put it that way. He's not super sharp. Um, you can kind of tell that he's not getting the ball, and I think that may be sort of a factor of the offense. They may say, like the old Baylor offense, "Hey, if you're not going to get this one, just go out, move your defender, and if you do that, that's enough. That's that's what we need you to do in this offense." it Kind of looks like that on this pass routes. So, not a not a really good resume as a receiver. Very interesting runner. Um, has some great highlight runs. Um, even against great defenses and runs a lot tougher than a small guy maybe you think should but um, turns out size has just about nothing to do with how tough you run because I've seen big big guys who run soft and little guys who run incredibly hard Um, Cohen's a great example of that he's you know very short but he's powerfully built and he runs
1: really really hard even in the pros yeah he's a tank Uh, so Singletary overall what do you think uh, in terms of fit for for the Bears
2: I think good, not great. Um, I think he'll probably be a round or two higher on other teams' boards. Um, I think Nagy and his guys are going to be looking for a little bit more dynamism um, and experience as a receiver. Uh, and probably a little bit more in the in the pass blocking, that stand-up pass blocking role. Uh, again, Singletary's okay at that, but he's he's going to need some work there.
1: All right. Um, Next guy that you wanted to cover was from Penn State. And I, maybe this is, I just need to get over this, but I'm still having Curtis Enos problems. And so um, (laughs) Uh, tell me. Don't
2: scout the helmets, scout the players. All right.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, tell me a little bit about this guy.
2: Um, sanders is a guy that a lot of Bears fans are excited about. Uh, he had an Instagram post from O'Hare, which everybody said, okay, he's visiting the Bears, which he probably was. He then went on to delete it. That adds to the intrigue. So a lot of people are like, Sanders is the guy. Um, you know, sanders it's going to happen. Sanders is the guy. Uh, I i went into his tape with, um, with some expectations. Uh, he tested pretty well. There's been a lot of talk about him being um, sort of a sneaky – top guy in the running back class um i was really hoping to see it uh i ended up watching two tapes and feeling like i hadn't seen very much or anything um so i watched a third tape and there were some plays there but overall i just don't see it so let's start with the with the pros of of miles sanders miles sanders is an excellent pass blocker and i mean excellent top of the class um Right up there with guys like Zeke Elliott, who's one of the best pass blockers I've ever seen as a, as a collegian. Um, easily one of the best in the class. Squares up, standing up, or cut blocking. Very powerful. Um, definitely takes pride in it, and he's very effective. So that's that's a great quality to have. He's got a nice lateral jump cut. He has some incredible hops there's at least two or three highlights of him hurdling guys um doesn't always get him a lot of yards looks pretty flashy but he can absolutely jump over guys which is something um pretty good inside runner can grind out runs um and occasionally and we'll talk about this occasionally he puts one all together um it just doesn't happen that often one of the reasons that one of the things that's very different about watching highlights from watching two or three games worth of tape is watching how often something happens because almost anybody can do something once or maybe even twice but if i've watched you know almost two full tapes of a guy and i have three total you know sort of flash plays over two full games they just don't do it that often um flip that to a guy like um Oh, Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma. Right. Uh, in the first three quarters, I had like six plays where I was like, wow, oh my God, I don't think anybody else could do that. Does it all the time. So it's a, it's a frequency thing. And occasionally, Miles Sanders will put everything together and you kind of go, oh, yeah, he can do it. Um, but not very often. It just doesn't happen that often. So on the downsides for Sanders, doesn't make many guys miss the first tackler that really contacts him regularly takes him down. Um, he barely beats guys to the outside. And when he does, he doesn't pick up very much. He doesn't really have that ability to get outside and turn the corner and pick up yards. He can get outside, but then he gets tackled in a yard or two. He's not terribly creative. Some ball security issues popped up. Um, he only had one or two, I think one real fumble. Um, and by real, I mean called, um, as a fumble, but the ball came loose, uh, at least three times in three tapes. Um, Ooh. when he was hitting the ground, when he was going out of bounds, that, that definitely raises red flags for me. You can't, can't have backs with ball security issues. Um, and the other thing is he, after those really nice cuts, um, he has that really nice lateral jump cut, but he accelerates kind of slowly after that cut. So he can make the cut, but it slows him down. It, it keeps it Basically takes something out of his forward momentum. So that's that's not a great combination. So after watching three tapes of miles Sanders um, I definitely don't want the Bears to trade up for him There's people out there saying oh, the Bears are gonna trade up and it's gonna be miles Sanders And I said to a couple people on Twitter today I I hope not I hope I hope they don't sell the farm <laughs> for for a guy that I consider, you know good He He's a good running back. Let's you know absolutely, but I I just don't see it with Sanders. Um, Doesn't mean he's not going to be a decent pro. Um, Guys with fairly limited athleticism have had a lot of success at the running back position, especially. Um, So he could turn into a very productive pro in the right system. I'm not saying that he's not going to be, but he just doesn't show me things that make me want to jump out of my seat really at all, except for his pass blocking. If I could take one trait from him, um, it would be his pass blocking. He's amazing at it
1: well why don't we move on to the guy that i'm i'm pretty excited about and i think you are too that uh, travion williams texas a&m
2: yeah this this is the guy that i think puts more checks in the boxes for what the bears need than just about anybody else um travion williams uh third year junior true junior out of a&m 5'8 206 um very powerful at that size very elusive laterally laterally um one of the things I really like is he's efficient when he runs. He loses tacklers when he's getting around them, but he keeps gaining ground. It doesn't slow him down, so it seems like he's faster than he is, and, he, and he's pretty fast. Um, from an experience standpoint, he's really versatile. He runs from many sets. He runs from the pistol, the shotgun, the deep eye, um, you know, behind a fullback solo. Uh, almost every set you can think of in the pros, he ran at Texas A&M, which is is not something you could say for all these guys. Easily breaks arm tackles and keeps his feet moving on contact. One of my favorite qualities for a runner to have, um, his ability to combine sharp cuts with speed and power often in the same run is, uh, very stark. It, that stands out on tape is that he does those things in combination and fairly often. He's very effective as a blocker. Um, probably would have taken the title if Sanders hadn't been there. Um, and he has an excellent sense of when to cut north and when I say north I mean upfield and the burst to do so so he knows when that hole's going to open and gets north he doesn't dance around a lot very aware of down and distance he's a smart runner he knows if he needs three and he gets four he's fine Um, he is incredibly strong and his his endurance is crazy Um, the first game I watched was a game versus LSU and uh, I'm I don't watch much college football when it's actually on because I'm going to go and watch so much of it after the season. Uh, College football fans will remember that game went to a seventh overtime. Oh, my. That's correct. Seven OTs. Uh, I I really wondered when I was about halfway through the tape. It was about a 13 or 14-minute cut-up, which is pretty long for running back. And I remember I was about halfway through the tape, and there was like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. I said, oh, it must must have gone to OT. Maybe they have a lot of replays. Third, you know, third OT, fourth OT, fifth OT. So he's in the seventh overtime. He's got uh, like thirty-three carries or something at this point. Uh, You know, it's just crazy for one game. It's basically three games uh, worth of runs for just about anybody else. Um, And he's in the seventh overtime, and he's blasting off chunk gains. Uh, You know that. That is that's crazy because of the kind of runner he is. he's tough yeah he had th- he was 33 for 186 that's a 5.6 yard average with two touchdowns and that was in the fourth ot i didn't even track all the way through the seventh <laughs> Wow. Um, very few negative runs uh he's very quick to get out of the backfield on a pattern we talked about devin singletary not getting out um on pass patterns very quickly uh Williams is very quickly out of the backfield and looking back to his quarterback, making good target, very natural receiver, easy hands catcher, great escapability and burst after he catches the ball. So he's one of those guys that can create on the pass. The only knock I really got against Travion Williams is he occasionally needs to look for the wider cutback. He tends to like the middle cutback, um, and on a couple of plays, he definitely uh, left yards on the field by sort of trying to just cut it back to the middle when that true backside cut was wide open and and that's something that'll probably increase but this is a guy with vision power speed the ability to catch the ability to block um just a great great player a
1: really fun tape to watch well i'm sold i'm i'm ready to go get him but the next guy that we have listed here is actually the guy that I got in my one and only mock draft that I did on one of those websites, FanSpeak or mm-hmm. something. And I could have taken somebody different in the third round, but this may surprise you, but I took Amani Hooker, the safety out of Iowa, I'm with shocked. my third round pick because, you know, Hawkeyes, we need more of them. Uh, and, and in the fourth round, I got Elijah Holyfield, which I was pretty excited about at the time. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, Elijah Holyfield's taken a lot of junk in the um, pre-draft process because his 40 wasn't great at the Combine. His 40 wasn't much better at his pro day. That was a little bit better, but it wasn't a lot better. But anybody that is not going to pick Elijah Holyfield because it was 40 didn't really watch his tape at Georgia. Um, Holyfield is famously the son of Evander Holyfield, uh, his boxer father. Um, and a lot of people joke that, uh, his dad had knockouts faster than he ran the 40, uh, which is true, (laughs) but his dad was a great boxer. Um, he looks like a good hands catcher, but again, he's a guy that rarely had to do it. He's capable, but what I put is capable, but not amazing here. Um, Georgia just doesn't throw to the back very much. He secured the catches they threw to him. He didn't look super fluid doing it, but he didn't look like he was fumbling with it either. He secured the ball and and took off, and that's what he needed to do. He's a decent blocker. He keeps his head up. Um, That sounds like very faint praise, but a lot of guys, when they pass block as runners, just hit the guy and sort of buck their head down, Um, and that doesn't work very well, uh, especially for any kind of decent pass rusher one good thing about holyfield is he gets lateral quicker than almost any back i've ever seen when he decides that he's he's going towards the line and he decides hey i'm going to cut this out to the left we're going to cut this out to the right his ability to pivot his hips and start sprinting sideways is it's like a snap it's crazy and he uses really small subtle moves to set up and avoid defenders um A lot of people will call this good feet, a lot of people will call this, you know, patience into the hole or or timing or any other number of things. It it makes a guy who's not as fast of foot, who's not as fleet uh, at the top end, which is really what 40 measures, look a lot faster because he's sort of just barely uh, avoiding people and then slipping by them. Very good at finding the inside seam and pushing it quite hard. He's got great balance and bounce, um, a pretty nice spin move. Some guys have spin moves that are, that are just painful to watch. Some guys have amazing spin moves. His is somewhere in between, it's, it's effective, let's put it that way. And here's the weird thing, he gets to the edge pretty regularly. In the SEC, Georgia playing in the SEC, he gets to the edge pretty regularly, more so than a guy like Miles Sanders. Yet, Sanders is cleanly faster than him in the 40s. So what does that mean? Well, it means that Holyfield's acceleration might be a little bit better. We talked about Sanders not quite getting out of cuts very quickly, that he takes a bit to accelerate. Holyfield accelerates very quickly. He has... Uh, Nifty feet, but we know he's not fast on the top end, but yet in the SEC, he's still getting around the edge. So that's why, to me, tape is always going to be the premium arbiter. When you put the pads on, you put the ball in his hand, what does he do? He gets to the edge in the SEC. I don't really care what his 40 time is. Is he going to get caught in the open field? Yeah, he probably is. But lots of backs in the pros get caught in the open field. Um, runs with good lean but average power now here's a guy that's a little bit bigger than some of the guys we've talked about but doesn't really show tremendous power good lean tends to you know end his runs falling forward but not a guy that's going to bull people over very good cutback very good stutter step uses both um, to gain extra yards if we've got Knox on holyfield it's that that top end he's not super fast he's not a race car he's not going to run away from people but he is very quick and the other one is georgia gave him big holes. Georgia's line is really good at run blocking. The list of Georgia running backs is long and, and deep. Um, they're really good at the run game, and he had some very big holes to run through. So the question is, how's he going to perform when those holes aren't as big? I think he'll be okay, but probably not as good as he looked at Georgia.
1: Well, I was going to ask you that specifically. Obviously, Georgia, the best back that's come out of there recently is is Todd Gurley, but uh, last year, Nick Chubb. Oh, really? Well, I think so. I, well, I do think so. Chubb you want to go Michelle. way back. Girly, Chubb, Chubb and Michelle yeah. all
2: came out of Georgia. Actually, all played on the same team at one time. That's staggering.
1: Yeah, that's nuts. But Chubb and Michelle just came out last year. So how would you, how would you compare uh, Holyfield? And one of the things I like about Holyfield is he just doesn't have the mileage that some of these other mm. backs have it's true um i would probably put him fourth but that's more credit
2: to the guys ahead of him i think Gurley is is all world he's he's up in that rank the tier i talked about at the top with you know guys that are clearly 1a alpha you know number one running backs Gurley for me is is absolutely that chubb showed the kind of ability um Last year with the Browns, especially in the second half of the year after Freddie Kitchens came on, after they started playing Baker Mayfield. Strangely enough, they started running Nick Chubb more, too, and he absolutely showed his ability to, to drop explosive plays. Sony Michelle hurt a little bit for the Patriots, hasn't shown it. He's more of a, a slasher big play guy. Uh, if I had to rank them, I would say, you know, Gurley, then Chubb, then uh, Michelle and Holyfield. Even though completely different styles, maybe as the sort of three uh, A and three B. Okay,
1: fair enough. All right, the next guy is the Nebraska back, and I'm going to let you say his name.
2: Yeah, it's funny. It's written Divine, and I thought it was Divine, but every announcer I heard on tape says Devon. Uh, so we'll call him Devon. Okay, Azigbo. Uh, and a Zigbo is is a, a mercifully shorter name. And yes, it's just like it looks. A Zigbo. Um, he's a very big guy. He actually, in in the first, first thing I thought when looking at his tape, and and this just sort of. Proves my age if nothing else he looks like one of the backs from nebraska on the tom osborne teams in the mid 80s Down to like the half shirt and the, the hip pads coming out of his red, you know, his red football pants sure. He's a big dude and he looks like all those guys. He looks like mike rozier He looks like all those guys, which is a fun throwback for me um, He's a big dude um, He moves pretty well for a big guy Zigbo um, Zigbo's a guy that got a lot of buzz at the senior bowl um that was the first time I really heard his name. He was on my list before that, but everybody was like, "Oh, Devin Azigbo, He's he's having a great Senior Bowl. You know, he's he's more than he you know he's capable of more than than he had to do at Nebraska." Um, and that's always interesting to me. So I went into his tape thinking, "All right, this is great," you know. Um, and turns out, not so much. Um, he's a willing blocker but he really needs help with his technique. He's one of those guys that drops his head. He's big. He's strong. He could absolutely be a great pass blocker. Um, He's a dominating physical presence, but he hits a guy and drops his head. And any good pass rusher knows exactly uh, what to do with that. Um, And they're going to go around him pretty quickly. So, you know, could he be coached up? Um, He definitely could be. Um, Do I think that's going to be one of his strengths? I, I doubt it. Um, so, uh, has speed, but the speed that you see out in the open field. Um, he's a big churner. He's not terribly nifty. Doesn't have great feet. He's a little stiff as a runner. He's kind of a head of steam guy. He needs to build up a little bit. Um, I, you know, and he's an iffy receiver. Uh, again, probably because of that stiffness. Um, and w- the feeling I came away from his tape with was. This is a glorified short yardage back this guy is is a hopped up fullback and i've got a guy at work who's a, who's a draft enthusiast and he really he, he loves uh the draft he loves digging into guys and he's kind of hot on a zigbo um this guy's uh basically 5'11 220 um looks every bit of that he's really well built and i just don't see it when he's when he's on the field with the ball in his hands now people say oh you know it's the offense and they didn't use him the right way and he's capable of more and didn't you see the senior Bowl and and yeah I did I, I saw all that stuff I I don't think zigbo's the guy so definitely not for the Bears now if you put them on a team like Seattle and you know Seattle's had good luck with low low round backs uh, who are very powerful and don't look all that empty you know Chris Carson right. sure uh, You know, guys like that, maybe he thrives in a system like that because he's a big, powerful guy. He does have speed in the open field. Um, They're not going to ask him to catch that much. Uh, You know, maybe he thrives in that system. Is he a Matt Nagy back? He's
1: absolutely not a Matt Nagy back. So let's just probably leave it at that. Yeah, Nebraska was a tire fire last year, so I'm sure that tape was fun to watch. Um, mm, not
2: not so much. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, again, as a Hawkeye fan, it's always fun to see Nebraska not be very good. Last guy for this episode, a guy from Oklahoma, Rodney Anderson. I've got a colleague in Oklahoma who is really excited about this guy. Is he a potential fit for the Bears?
2: Um. <laughs> In, in terms of matching up with the qualities, I'm not particularly sure, but I'm almost willing to give him a pass. And, and go ahead, Jeff. Ask why almost. Why almost? Injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Rodney Anderson is, is a staggering talent, and I almost skipped him. Uh, And then somebody on Twitter said, I I need some Rodney Anderson beta. You got to tell me about Rodney Anderson. I was like, come on, you know, uh, he's been injured so much. The bears just don't like injured players. And and I got all these other backs to do. And, but I'm a sucker for running back tape. So I turned on the Rodney Anderson tape and I got to say I'm, super super happy i did um rodney anderson is an amazing player only got one tape from 2018 Um, again because of injuries had to watch one 2018 tape one 2017 tape and here's a fun thing ended up watching the georgia game from 2017 that's roquan's defense right so here's, here's rodney anderson versus roquan and his defense in a in a bowl game and holy cow rodney anderson is a really interesting guy he's a fourth year junior he's a redshirt junior out of oklahoma six foot 224 pounds um yeah good size and he is he runs with a very good square base he's a great slasher and can link multiple cuts a lot of guys have one good cut one good jump cut 190 degree cut whatever Mm -mm. he can cut left cut right cut back right again and just blow the doors off people shows wheels in the open field and i mean wheels i put wheels in capital um outrunning dbs um that kind of wheels um can combine three cuts with a broken tackle and then hit those jets and be gone he has those sort of whoa runs i posted a bunch on twitter uh where i said look this is rare ability there's lots of guys that can do parts of this run there's very few guys that can do all the parts together um, great size, natural swing receiver, runs really hard after the catch, looks natural catching the ball, doesn't really do down the field routes, but, you know, looks good, again, um, catching the routes they threw to him. Has the power, knows when to use it, um, is a big guy, and can shuff off defenders at that 220-plus. Great burst and power up the middle when he wants to go. His speed, those wheels, create massive, pressure on the d to be in perfect position because honestly if they're a step sometimes even half a step because he can shove them off if they're half a step out of position he's gone and the defense knows it they play nervous because of that everybody's a a step deeper and nobody wants to be on the highlight reel right and he's gonna put a bunch of guys on the highlight reel because he can turn a small middle run into a highlight reel run it's he did it again very very frequently on the tapes that i watched now downsides for anderson injuries he's had a major injury uh and basically ended the last three seasons with an injury that's not great and i doubt the bears will try um on a player like that he rounds off his routes a bit um that's okay. Never saw him block once in the first game, and he's a pretty soft pass blocker in the second game. He he got run over pretty good in the Georgia game. Doesn't really look to have that want to. He certainly has the size and the power to do it, but um, sometimes skill players, both wide receivers and running backs, don't have that want to. He doesn't look like he has that want to. Now, could that be coaxed out of him by a coach that was going to get on him in the pros? It could. But his pure running and, and quite frankly, you know, screen and swing passing ability and speed is boy if he's healthy this guy is RB1 this year no nobody's going to touch him not even Williams um, just for the pure ability to put the ball in his hands and go score from just about anywhere now that has to be tempered pretty seriously with injuries so I don't I don't think the Bears take a chance on him but um, if he was healthy and and managed to be one of those guys that rounds back into shape that's not typical for running backs especially uh, but um, I hope he does, and even if it's not with the Bears, I hope just for football's sake that Rodney Anderson ends up somewhere healthy. Because boy, watching him with the ball in his hands, I'll be a fan.
1: Well, hopefully, it's somewhere in the AFC. If not, yeah, that'd be not great. Not that'd be great. Well, you Out wonder. Of conference. Yeah, if you well, you wonder a little bit. We, the Bears just do not have the draft capital. But Ryan Pace has shown a willingness to double dip in a position, uh, throw throw multiple resources at the same position. Yep. Running backs clearly the one position that we feel incredibly confident that the Bears are going to use a draft pick on. Is it crazy to think that Ryan Pace could be scouting all these guys, take a guy early, see a guy drop potentially for injury reasons, and use one of the later picks on him and double dip at the position?
2: It's interesting. You bring up a really good point about his tendency to do it. He does. He Ryan Pace is is all about overkill. He thinks overkill is just fine, um, and I get that because of the position they're in this year with draft picks having traded a couple away um certainly for this year and one next year as well i don't think they're going to double dip at running back now does that mean they're not going to bring two running backs in i actually doubt that very strongly i would bet you good folding money that there will be at least two new running backs in cam next year now one of them will be a draft pick i'm almost certain of that but i bet the other one or maybe even two will be udfas will be guys that they like to slip through the process maybe because of injury maybe because of small school status any number of things but i bet there's at least two new running backs with a chance in camp next year one probably a draft pick one a udfa i just don't think they have the draft capital to put two picks this year towards a running back now I need to put a very large asterisk on that. And I put it on Twitter today just so it's out there so I can put my stake in the ground. I have this nagging feeling after doing all this scouting that the Bears have their runner in mind and they're going to move up to get him. They're going to package a pick from next year. they got a bunch of picks from next year. They're going to package a pick from next year, maybe the Jordan Howard pick too, and they're going to move up to get their guy because Pace has shown the the conviction when he's got a guy out there he will go get him now if that guy's a guy like travion williams that is sort of the full meal deal i'm all for it and and really anybody that they think is worth going to get i let let's trust pace here he's he's shown a very solid ability to assess talent but i just have this nagging feeling specifically about running back um could be another player now look if they if they package a bunch of picks to you know trade up and get Arnell Savage great that's that's awesome right. um but i i just have this feeling about running back i have the feeling Nagy really wants his running back he wants his Kareem Hunt role player he wants that guy in his offense and he really feels like that's going to unlock something for him i would not be at all surprised to see Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy package a bunch of picks and move up to get a guy. Now is it Williams? I don't know. I had an on and off with a bunch of guys on Twitter about this today. Um I I don't know if it's Williams, but I have this nagging feeling that they are going to package picks and move up for running back.
1: And I know you didn't do film on him, but Montgomery from Iowa State's a guy that a lot of people are pretty buzzy on and he's having mm-hmm. a pretty good off off season with his testing and and yep. with his interviews as well, so Absolutely. He's he's a guy that they could. And again, because
2: of that really weird and wild valuation that we have this year um, everybody's like oh that guy's going to be gone in the first two rounds that guy's going to be gone in the first two rounds the bottom line is you know one back may go in the first round that's that's pretty typical if you're looking at mock drafts right now maybe one running back gets picked in the first round now bears don't pick till the end of the third round that's that's something as well but how many backs i mean how many teams need lead backs and how many of them are going to pick them up high with other players on the board? wide receivers, uh, you know, edge defenders, corners, all these other premium positions. How many backs do you really think are going to go in the first two and a half rounds? And you know, my answer is, five? Maybe? Maybe six. We just talked about six guys. We're going to talk about probably 10 more in the next episode. There's 16 guys there. They're not all going to be gone. Five or six backs are going to go off the board before the Bears pick. There's going to be somebody left that they like. But again, if they're wild about somebody, they're super hot on him, they love his skills, and they think he's a perfect fit, I would not be surprised to see them be aggressive, package a bunch of picks, and go get him
1: well let's let's break there. let's cover the other uh ten in the next episode, but I wanna circle back to that beer that you drank. I finished my milkshake and it was delicious, <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious what your uh what your beer turned out to be.
2: I really like it um it's uh I don't know if it's the single hopping or something else uh but i've been I've been sucking on it throughout this episode, and i really i would i'm glad I have five more of these, let's put it that way um it's very drinkable. Uh, It's got that little bit of warmth at the end, not that sort of bitiness that comes out of certain reds, and uh, yeah, I've seen a bunch of ecliptic stuff on the shelf, I haven't picked it up, and I probably will be giving it a try now, because this is a really solid red, I like it a lot, it's not heavy on alcohol, I'm just looking at the side of the can, it's 5.6 by volume, ecliptic says it's been around since 2013 established 2013 uh they list their location in a very classic portland way as portland oregon comma earth Mm -hmm. um (laughs) uh, but it's super solid hopped with a citrusy tropical azica hops uh eight types of malts you can definitely taste that that malty finish um is creamy and smooth i think that's a really good sort of description of that you know nice warm finish so yeah i'm a fan
1: Nice. all right well next time I'm in Oregon <laughs> we gotta figure out
2: some beer shipping I saw all those those crazy malt meltball stouts whatever um, at the at the store and I thought god I gotta get I gotta have express beer shipping to Jeff yeah I don't
1: think that's legal but you know we'll, we'll figure something out we'll, we'll figure something out all right we'll get us out of here
2: all right, so uh as always, please follow us on Twitter. Uh give us comments about beer, about football players, about things you want to hear on the pod. We'd love to interact with you guys. Um the pod has its own Twitter handle that is at Bears Over Beers. Jeff is at at gridironborn. I am at the Draftsman FB, as in football. And uh, as always, uh, Bear Down won't be long. We're going to put out a couple of these in rapid succession because we have so much to talk about with the running backs. But we really enjoy everybody that's been following along, interacting with us on Windy City Gridiron on Twitter. Very happy to have you all along for the journey. And uh, we hope to see you again soon. So until then, Bear Down.
1: Thanks, everybody.